0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to your weekly tech update, the show that explores the newest, coolest, and craziest side of tech available on the interwebs. I'm your technology fanboy, Ray McNeil. Coming up on the program today, Bosch is testing space thrusters that will make your motorcycle safer here on Earth. The first ever wireless flying robotic insect takes off, and happening in this week's What The... A suspect threatens a man with a three-foot alligator during a bizarre kidnapping. That and a whole lot more coming up on your weekly tech update next. Hi everyone, motorcycle safety technology has come a long way in the last decade or so. Now, most new bikes, even beginner bikes, come with anti-lock brakes as an option, and an increasing number of motorcycles offer multi-stage traction control. You can even buy motorcycle gear with built-in airbags and heads-up displays. Now, Bosch wants to take things a step further by introducing anti-slide technology. Sounds cool, right? You're motoring along, leaning over in a turn, and oh no, someone left a bunch of sand at the apex of the corner. Now your wheels are starting to wash out, and you know you're in for a low slide crash, but all of a sudden, you hear a loud hiss as your bike vents pressurized gas to counteract the slide and helps you right your bike. You ride off feeling like an idiot, but looking like a pro. Yes, pressurized gas. Think of the way a spaceship maneuvers in orbit. It uses high pressure gas emitting from a nozzle to provide motive Force. Now, the Bosch slide mitigation system works in the same way. The system uses a device similar to the airbag inflator in your car's steering wheel to provide an external lateral force when your tires have no more grip to give. The downside to this is that it's a one-shot deal with uh, what will likely be a pretty expensive consumable part, but it's worth it to save your life, right? The most exciting part of this technology is the effect it can have on the public's perception of motorcycle safety. If bikes have more active safety equipment like this slide mitigation system, then it's likely more people would give motorcycles more serious consideration as a transportation option. More people thinking about motorcycles and riding motorcycles has the knock-on effect of making riding safer for everyone. Now we need to start beating down Bosch's door to uh, convince them to let us have a go on a bike equipped with this technology. I have a feeling, though, that it will be at least a few years before we see this tech in public. Some people believe that 8K TVs are overkill, but cinematographer Phil Holland just flaunted video of New York City captured in sweeping 12K. He used three red Monstro 8K VistaVision cameras, all turned sideways, mounted on a special rig that they call the Shot Over K1 Hammerhead. The videos were then stitched together to create a 12K, 48 frame per second film, with each frame equivalent to 100 megapixels. Holland works with RED and was one of the first to get his hands on the new Monstro 8K VistaVision large sensor camera. Monstro's strengths come in the form of great color, dynamic range, and very clean shadows, which would work great for low light and night video. Shooting with three very high-resolution cameras from a helicopter presents some technical challenges, however. Uh, The K1 Hammerhead had a six-axis gyro to stabilize the camera array and keep the shots steady. For the stitching to work properly, though, they had to figure out the correct amount of overlap and the cameras had to be synced using Red's uh, Jetpack SDI module, they call it. Now, putting the video together in post was pretty tricky, as everything needed to be aligned, warped, stitched, and blended perfectly. But as you can see in the video, I think they did a pretty good job. Now, all three cameras were pointed in different directions, so shots needed a perspective adjustment. But the final image was a 12K beautifully rendered shot, of New York. Interestingly, you can uh, extract a very IMAX-friendly image from this setup since there's actually no real way to display a 12K image. Holland reduced the final image to 8K so everyone can check it out uh, on their own. Now You probably won't be able to view the 8K video on YouTube in its full glory, but if you have a powerful computer and a 4K or 5K screen, you'll still be able to appreciate it. The resulting very large format provides a level of depth that's rather mesmerizing, especially in motion. As you can see, it even makes a difference in 1080p. To check out the video on your own, just search YouTube for New York City 12K flyover. Valve, back in the news this week, they've announced Steam Link is now available in beta form on Google Play. The app allows gamers to stream their Steam library of video games to their Android device, whether it's a phone, tablet, or even a TV, as long as it's on the same 5 gigahertz network or wired Ethernet connection as their PC. Now, Steam Link currently supports Android 5.0 and above, and it features support for the Steam controller and even other Bluetooth input devices. I saw a video on YouTube where someone was using a uh, Microsoft Xbox One controller. Now, Valve told Variety last week that it will let users stream games to their phones in 4K resolution at 60 frames per second, but only when they're connected to their home network. Valve said the bar for streaming is 1080p at 60 frames per second with good quality for most scenes. If you have a powerful rig, wired network, and very good client devices, it is possible to stream at that 4K resolution, though. You can go into the advanced settings and uh, tune streaming resolution and bit rate for the best experience in your own setup to uh, uh, make it work perfectly. Apple fans will have to wait a bit longer, however. Valve said the release date for the iOS version is pending further review whatever that means. When it does launch, it will reportedly support any device running iOS 10 or newer and any Apple TV running tvOS 10.3 or above. Steam Link originally launched in 2015 as a hardware peripheral that uh, could stream Steam content from a PC to a TV set wirelessly. Now this app uses that same technology as the original hardware. Check it out for yourself on the App Store. Insect size flying robots could help with time consuming tasks in the future, like surveying crop growth on large farms or even sniffing out gas leaks. These robots soar by fluttering tiny wings because they're too small to use propellers like those seen on their larger drone cousins. Small size is advantageous. These robots are cheap to make and can easily slip into tight places that are inaccessible to big drones. But currently, well, flying robot insects are still tethered to the ground. The electronics they need to power and control their wings are too heavy for these miniature robots to carry. Now, engineers at the University of Washington have, for the first time, cut the cord and added a brain, allowing their robo-fly to take its first independent flaps. This might be one small flap for a robot, but it's one giant leap for robot-kind. RoboFly is slightly heavier than a toothpick and is powered by a laser beam. It uses a tiny onboard circuit that converts the laser energy into enough electricity to operate its wings. Before now, the concept of wireless insect flying robots was science fiction. The new wireless RoboFly shows researchers are much closer than anyone thought. The engineering challenge is the flapping. Wing flapping is a power-hungry process. And both the power source and the controller that directs the wings are too big and bulky to ride aboard a tiny robot. So Fuller's previous robo-insect, the robo bee, had a leash. It received power and control through wires from the ground. But a flying robot should be able to operate on its own. Fuller and team decided to use a narrow, invisible laser beam to power their robot. Still, the laser alone does not provide enough power to move the wings, so the team designed a circuit that boosted the 7 volts coming out of the solar cell up to 240 volts needed to uh, take flight. To give RoboFly control over its own wings, the engineers provided a brain, or a microcontroller. The microcontroller acts like a real fly's brain, telling wing muscles when to fire. Specifically, the controller sends voltage in waves to mimic the fluttering of a real insect. Future RoboFlies can look forward to more advanced brains and sensor systems that may help robots navigate and complete tasks all on their own. Think about it, you could buy a suitcase full of these things, open it up, and they would fly around your building looking for plumes of gas coming out of leaky pipes. If these robots can make it easy to find leaks, they will be much more likely to be patched up, which will reduce overall greenhouse emissions. This is inspired by real flies, which are really good at flying around looking for smelly things. So researchers think this is a good first application for the robofly. In the future, they could be able to implement the repair too, and eventually make improvements. The research was funded by the University of Washington and a Microsoft Student Fellowship. This was awesome. Yes, it's a PR stunt, but it's also a lot of fun. Nintendo Labo presents new and innovative ways to use your Switch console, and the musical aspect of this is on display in a video from The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Along with The Roots, and Ariana Grande. Grande sings No Tears Left to Cry and is accompanied by Fallon and the members of The Roots on Nintendo Labo instruments. The sound is coming from the actual Switch instruments and the music is being played live. Is this a Nintendo PR stunt? Yeah, of course it is. Is it effective? Definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah, we turn it up. They point out the colors in you. I see them too. And boy, I like them. I like them. I like them.
0: Lot of fun to see these different musicians and jimmy fallon using the nintendo labo instruments to make actual music not to mention quest love with a robot kit it makes switch owners wonder whether they can accomplish such a thing and will probably lead to many non-gamers to at least look up switch and labo and see what it's all about being creative within vr is something that many people have been enjoying for a while But now PlayStation VR users can get in on the creative fun with the release of Cool Painter VR. This new VR experience is designed to allow users an immersive drawing tool where they can take full advantage of the 3D space and large collection of brushes, primitive shapes, tubes, particles, and other features to create a stunning Work of art. Cool Painter VR is designed to rival the likes of applications such as Tilt Brush, that's from Google, offering a virtual space where artists can create 3D models from hand drawn shapes with great detail and ease. The application also allows for models to have skeletons built into them, which offers a chance for the objects to be manipulated bone by bone to create the ideal stance. One exciting feature about Cool Painter VR is that it's able to capture the playtime of the user creating their work of art and export it as a 3D VR experience. This is possible thanks to the sophisticated 3D engine. Cool Painter VR supports a range of languages, including English, Spanish, French, and German, along with support for the PlayStation Move controllers, or at least one of them so far, offering a more natural way of painting. The application does support the DualShock 4 controller, but of course the range of motions will be limited compared to the Move and is just kind of wonky. Yes, that's a technical term. Cool Painter VR is exclusively available on PlayStation VR via the PlayStation Store and is available now for 20 bucks in the US. The Mars Helicopter, a small autonomous rotorcraft, will travel with the agency's Mars 2020 rover mission currently scheduled to launch in July of that year to demonstrate the viability and potential of heavier-than-air vehicles. On the red planet. Starting in August of 2013, as a technology development project at NASA's JPL, the Mars helicopter had to prove that big things could come in small packages. The result of the team's four years of design, testing, and redesign weighs in at a little under four pounds or 1.8 kilograms. Its fuselage is about the size of a softball and its twin counter-rotating blades will bite into the thin Martian atmosphere at almost 3,000 revolutions per minute, about 10 times the rate of a helicopter here on Earth. After the Wright brothers proved 117 years ago that powered, sustained, and controlled flight was possible here on Earth, another group of American pioneers may prove the same can be done on another world. The helicopter also contains built-in capabilities needed for operation on Mars, including solar cells to charge its lithium-ion batteries and a heating mechanism to keep it warm through the cold Martian nights. But before the helicopter can fly at Mars, it has to get there. It will do so attached to the belly pan of the Mars 2020 rover. The altitude record for a helicopter flying here on Earth is about 40,000 feet. The atmosphere of Mars is only 1% that of Earth. So when the helicopter is on the Martian surface, it's already at the Earth equivalent of 100,000 feet. To make it fly at that low atmospheric density, they had to make it as light as possible while also being as strong and powerful as it could be. Once the rover is on the planet's surface, a suitable location will be found to deploy the helicopter onto the ground. That rover will then be driven away from the helicopter to a safe distance from which it will relay commands. After its batteries are charged and a test is performed, controllers on Earth will command the Mars helicopter to take its first autonomous flight into history. The full 30-day flight test campaign will include up to five flights of incrementally farther flight distances, up to a few hundred meters. As a technology demonstration, the Mars helicopter is considered a low-risk, high-reward project. If it does not work, no, the Mars 2020 mission will not be impacted. If it does work, however, helicopters may have a real future as low-flying scouts and aerial vehicles to access locations not reachable by ground travel. Mars 2020 will launch on a United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket from Cape Canaveral and is expected to reach Mars in February of 2021. If you'd like more information about NASA's Mars missions, you can go to nasa.gov forward slash Mars. Spot Mini Boston Dynamics' agile four-legged robot will go on sale next year for companies that want a mechanical quadruped to get to places a wheeled device just can't reach. Boston Dynamics has 10 spot many prototypes now and will work with manufacturing partners to build up to 100 by this year, or the year's end. Who will buy it? Well, probably not you, at least not to start. They didn't reveal price plans, but said that the Spot Mini robot could be useful for security patrols or for helping construction companies keep tabs on what's happening at building sites. That pretty much means that it's not going to be cheap. Spot Mini can be customized with attachments and extra software for particular jobs. Eventually, though, The company hopes to sell it for use in people's homes. Most places have somewhere that wheels don't get you. Boston Dynamics thinks that Spot Mini can go to a much larger fraction of places. One request Boston Dynamics gets is for a leg device that can carry wheelchair-bound people on more demanding terrain, such as a hike through the wilderness. They're not actively working on that one yet, but you never know. They're definitely capable of it. Boston Dynamics showed it can teach its new dog new tricks, demonstrating its Spot Mini autonomous navigation. The robot uses its four cameras to figure out where obstacles are and how to avoid them. That includes walking up steps without bumping into the railings. In the long run, robots could be more important than the internet, and you'll be able to purchase your very own next year. For enough cash anyway. For more information, go to bostondynamics.com. I've always been a Trekkie, and I'm excited for our next story. Ubisoft back in the news, along with Red Storm Entertainment, their Star Trek bridge crew simulation is getting a major update, and it adds Star Trek The Next Generation-themed content, including the Enterprise NCC-1701D. That is awesome. The aptly titled Star Trek Bridge Crew, the next-generation DLC, will let TNG fans command the bridge of the NCC-1701-D and battle the Borg and the Romulans, two new species for bridge crew. Players will also be able to make Starfleet avatars based on soon type robots, kind of like Data, And they even uh, threw in some fan favorites, such as a fully functional planet killer, complete with deadly anti-proton beam. Star Trek Bridge crew players will get access to that content on May 22nd, when the add-on is released for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation VR anyway. The DLC will come to HTC Vive, Oculus Rift, and Windows Mixed Reality devices, two months later, on July 21st. If you want to play this game but don't have a VR headset, while Bridge Crew is best in VR, it can be played on a 2D surface as well. And finally, happening in this week's What The, a Connecticut woman got a disturbing phone call from her nephew who told her he'd been kidnapped and his abductor wanted $800 or he would burn the young man. Police said the young man pleaded with his aunt in a later call while officers ran a trace. Detectives told the aunt to demand that his abductors text her a photograph of her nephew. No one was prepared for what came next. The photograph showed the 21-year-old victim lying face down in a bathtub with a three-foot alligator on top of him. Its mouth open facing the camera. Bridgeport and Shelton police later surrounded a Shelton hotel, captured the creature, and arrested 30 year old Isaiah Garcia, a convicted felon from Garland, Texas, on kidnapping, extortion, and assault charges. Police said the victim had two burn marks, one on his face and another one on his right forearm. Garcia pleaded not guilty to first degree kidnapping, attempted first degree larceny by extortion. Unlawful restraint, third degree assault, and threatening. He asked for a jury trial. The judge continued the case to June 4th. Thanks for watching your weekly tech update. If you have a story you think I should feature on the program, you need to send me an email McNeil at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook too at your weekly tech update and check out our podcast in video and audio form, available on iTunes and elsewhere across the interwebs. Till next time, I'm Ray McNeil. Good night, world.